was very good. I thought so anyways. I thought it was very good. Man, that was one of the better songs y'all have put together. That was great. Mason, how old are you? 23. That's what I thought. Okay. I was just doing some reminiscing, and I was doing some uh, thinking as they were singing. Uh, I know that some of you know this. Others of you would not know this, but it was 18 years ago tonight that I candidated the second time here at the church, and uh, I don't know how many, what, five or six of y'all that are still here from the 18 years ago, and uh, I was thinking that meant Nathan was two and Mason was five, and I would have never dreamed at that time that they'd be singing a special, you know, in a quartet, and Brother Randy was a lot younger. Uh, <laughs> I was a lot younger. Uh, I look back at that picture every once in a while. I think it was our first family photo after we had moved here, and I thought I wouldn't have voted for me. And uh, I looked like a dumb kid. And anyways, I, I'm thankful for it, and I mean that. I'm I'm thankful, and and I hope that y'all are thankful. But uh, it's just one of those things. I was thinking about it as they were singing, and I thought, man, what a blessing. So glad for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to get started. And look in the scripture tonight. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, the truth of that message is is so true. Uh, Just the fact that that could be us if it had not been for your grace. It could be us whose lives were destroyed, God, whose lives were wasted. So thank you, Lord, for the grace that you have shown us, that you have bestowed upon us. And I pray that you'd help us to always live in light of that. And I know that we fail so many times, but I pray that you'd help us to live in light of the grace that we've been the recipient of. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Kind of like this morning, I'm going to forego doing the review of last week's message. Uh, It's not to say that there's not some significance to it, some importance to it, but I'm just going to to bypass that tonight. Let me just say this. I know going into the message that uh, on paper this is a shorter message than normal. I don't know what that will translate into time-wise, but I think there's a good chance we're going to get out a little bit early, but that's okay. I want to begin tonight by talking about something that I think all of you can identify with by way of principle. I'm going to share a story, and I I think, again, as I just said, you can identify with it by way of principle, by way of some kind of application in your life. But about 25 years ago, I went to work for an electrician that did mostly mostly new construction uh, by way of houses. And so I went to work for him, and if you had asked me on my first day of work there at uh, that that place of business uh, what I knew about the field of electrical work, I could have identified lights and switches and plugs. That's about what I knew. And so whenever I went out on my first day on the job, I had no idea what Romex was. If the guy I was working with had said, hey, go to the van and get the 12-2 Romex, I would have been like, what? Because I had no idea what Romex was. If he had said to me, go grab a single-gang box out of the van, I would have had no idea what he was talking about. If he said, go get a three-way switch out of the van, I would have had no idea what he was talking about. I literally knew nothing about the line of work that I was getting into. So as a result of knowing absolutely nothing about the line of work that I was getting into, though I had been hired by this man and his company, 
here's what you understand is that in that moment, I was not an asset to the company. I was a complete liability. I offered nothing of value to that man or to his company. The only thing that I brought to the position was a warm body with a pulse and a willingness to learn what it is I needed to learn so as to try to make a decent hand. And so there on my first day, I don't remember exactly where we went, exactly what all took place, but I was teamed up with the journeyman by the name of Gary. And so we went to that job, and again, not knowing anything, here is what I did most of the day. I just kind of hovered over his shoulder and just watched what he did. I didn't know that you had to drill holes through the studs in order to be able to run the wire from plug to plug to plug to the switches to complete the circuit. I didn't know how high the plugs were supposed to be off the ground, how high the, the switches were supposed to be off the ground. I didn't understand any of that. I didn't know how to find the center of a room and put a box there so that you could later install a light or a ceiling fan, whatever it may be. And so what I was doing is throughout the day I was just following him and I was watching him and I was trying to observe what it was he was doing there was only one way I was going to learn what needed to be learned, and that was just by watching. You understand that, right? Simply by watching, observing, and taking it in. And so it was after watching for a while, it was after observing all this, trying to take it all in, that I began to kind of get the idea of things. I began to kind of get the hang of things. And so he could kind of turn me loose a little bit on my own, but, of course, he had to come back and check what I was doing. He had to, to make sure that I was doing things right and correct me where I had done some things wrong. But the point is this. I had to watch. I had to hover. And I just had to be around him throughout that process. I think all of us understand this. I think all of us would agree with this, that every time we have gone into a new situation that involved other people, part of the learning process was this just being around the people who already knew what was going on. Just being with them wherever they were at, doing whatever it was they were doing, listening to whatever it was they said, and, and as a result of just being around them and watching them and observing them and listening to them, we took that information and we tried to implement it because you were the same as I was, whether you'd like to phrase it this way or not, until you learned the trade or the skill or whatever it was you were involved in, until you learned that, you were a liability rather than an asset. And so here we are in the different areas of life, whatever it is we want to think about, discuss, consider. And we've learned things and we've been able to apply those things. And, and though we may have learned many, many things, I want us to think about two truths tonight in relation to that. First... It does not matter how much we know, there is still more to be learned. I don't care how good you think you are in your line of work. I don't care how much you think you have seen. For the person who says, I have seen it all, that is the person who will be surprised at some point. They will then say, I thought I had seen it all until I saw this or 
they say something like this, now I've seen everything. Well, how many times are we going to say that before we realize now I've seen everything? Because we have not. There is still more for us to learn. There is still more for us to take in. None of us have fully arrived in whatever area of life we'd like to talk about. That's just, that's just true to life. I don't care where we're at. There is always something else that can be learned. Now, I know we know that, but I want us to think about this as well. This is the second thing that I want us to consider, that though we may have learned and progressed and, and, and become an asset to whatever line of work it is that we're involved in, you know this as well as I do, just because you used to be an asset doesn't mean you've, you will always be an asset. Have you ever noticed this, that sometimes people have been around so long they've gone back to that worthless stage? They're there, and they know what to do. They know how they're supposed to be getting the job done. They know what needs to be taking place. They understand all of it. But just because they have the knowledge doesn't mean they're doing anything with it. And so they could be an asset, and they should be an asset. But for whatever reason, they have reverted back to being a liability. Now, as we think about that tonight, I want us to consider Christ. And as we do so, we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 4 tonight. I don't know if I'd given you the text yet or not, but we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 4 tonight. There's a good flow to what's being said previously and, and where we're at tonight. But as we consider Matthew chapter 4, I want us to think about this truth that Christ has not yet entered into his public ministry. He is about to enter into his public ministry. Everything is about to take off and everything is about to move rather quickly. It says in verse number 17, this being after the temptation of Christ that we looked at last week, he said it was from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the ministry is about to kick off in a public forum. The ministry is about to kick off in this public venue. But, but as of right now, it's, it's still in the infancy stages. It's still in the early days. And so Christ doesn't really have the name notoriety that he is going to one day have. And in verse number 17, here's what we also understand, that though Jesus has begun to preach and, and the public ministry is in the infancy stage, so to speak, uh, as, as Christ begins to preach, he has not yet called out any of the disciples, but those will soon be acquired as well. And, and I want us to think about this as we think about the disciples, that they came from all different backgrounds of life. These were not men who had been trained in seminary. These were not men who had been trained at the feet of the Bible scholars of their day. These were men who came from different backgrounds of life, and they're going to be called to serve alongside Christ. And as they come into this public ministry of Christ, I want us to think about this, that they are coming in as a liability rather than than an asset. These men, when they entered into the public ministry with Christ, 
they did not enter in with great credentials and they did not enter in with great background and great schooling and education. So it's not like they came into the public ministry of Christ and hit the ground running. No, these were men who really offered nothing to the public ministry of Christ. These were men who would one day be used in amazing ways. They would be used to heal the sick, to open the eyes of the blind. They would eventually one day be used to cast out demons. They would one day be used to preach some incredible sermons. But that day was not this day. They were like men on a new job their very first day. They really had no idea what was going on, and they had no idea what was going to take place in the years to come, and they had no idea the course that their life would eventually take. So as we keep that in mind, look in verse number 18. It says, And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And if you look down in the last part of verse number 19, it says that Christ said unto them, that being Peter and Andrew, I will make you fishers of men. Now I've said this before, you know this as well as I do, that you and I have the advantage of hindsight, correct? You and I can read this portion of Scripture, and these are stories that we have heard all of our lives if we grew up in church. And and if we don't know the stories, as I've said before, all we've got to do is flip a couple of pages, continue reading, and within a few minutes we can know how all this is going to play out. We can know how all this is going to to turn out for these men that, that Christ would call. But can you imagine for just a moment being Peter and Andrew and this man walks by. Maybe you have some familiarity with him. Maybe you've heard some things about him. Maybe you know something about him. But he walks by you and he says, I will make you fishers of men. If we're honest, wouldn't we have to assume that that might have been a little bit confusing? You know, you and I look at this and say, oh, what a wonderful call. I will make you fishers of men. And we're supposed to be fishers of men. And it's a wonderful charge and it's a wonderful statement. And it is. But Peter and Andrew, I think to an extent, had to have been asking themselves, what do you think that means exactly? We know how to catch fish. We know when to go out. We know what kind of bait to use. Or we know what to to, to use by way of equipment. But this idea of of being fishers of men, what exactly does that mean will be fishers of men? Again, they didn't have the advantage that we've got, so they couldn't sit and discuss and say amongst themselves, well, here's what I think it means. I think in the very near future we're going to be powered by God and and we're going to be blessed by God and we're going to go out and we're going to preach some amazing sermons and wonderful things are going to happen and we're going to draw men to Christ. I don't think they had the full understanding of what their lives were about to be involved in But I want us to consider this, that there was a time when they went in the ministry with Christ from being a liability to an asset. They were actually a source of help. They were actually a source of of advancing the cause of Christ. They were not just these stumbling, bumbling individuals who said things that shouldn't have been said and, and did things that shouldn't have been done. Though that would still continue to happen because they were 
carnal men and fleshly men like everyone else. There was a time, though, that they went from being this liability to the ministry of Christ to this asset in the ministry of Christ. But what did it hinge on? It hinged on those two words right before Christ said, and I will make you fishers of men. I want us to focus on this for just a moment tonight. It says of Christ that he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I know that tonight's message is not going to have a lot of suspense and and intrigue associated with it. I understand that you're going to be able to see exactly where this is headed. That's fine. But I want us to see that whenever Christ said, I am going to make you fishers of men, I am going to help you be someone who is an asset to the ministry. I am going to make you someone who makes a difference in the lives of others. I am going to make you to be someone who has an impact on this world. But in order for that to happen, here is what Christ said. He said, you must follow me. You have to follow me. If you want to be a fisher of men, if you want to be used, if you want to have an impact, if you want to make a difference, then what Christ said to Peter, what Christ said to Andrew, what Christ said to Philip in John chapter 1 is this, is you have to follow me. Following me is not optional in this process. For you to be a fisher of men, for you to be an asset, for you to be a contributor, for you to be someone who makes an impact, you must, you have to follow me. So what does it mean to follow someone? Well, it's the same idea of myself with Gary 25 years ago trying to learn how to wire up a house. The idea is this, is you're going to come after the individual, you're going to watch the individual, and then based on what you have observed, you're going to try to imitate what you have seen from them in your own personal life. So whenever Christ said to Peter, when Christ said to Andrew, when, P- when Christ said to Philip, and, and essentially the same thing to the other disciples who would be called, what he was saying is this, is you have to come after me, and you have to watch me, and then you have to imitate who I am in your life to be the fishers of men that I desire you to be. If you're not willing to follow me, if you're not willing to watch me, and if you're not willing to imitate what I am, then you will never be what you've been called to be. Disciples, men, it says in verse 19 that he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Men, if you don't do this, you can't accomplish what I want to accomplish through you. It's a very simple principle, is it not? You want to be used? You want to have some significance? You want to make an impact? You want to make a difference in the lives of people? You can't keep doing what you've been doing. You're going to have to come after me. You'll have to forsake what you have known. You're going to have to watch me. 
And then you are going to have to try to go out and imitate in your life who I am in your life. So tonight I want us to think about that thought. I want us to think about that principle for just a moment. And I want us to think about as the song sung, as I want us to think about as the song said just a moment ago, I want us to think about that moment when we became the recipient of God's grace. It really was an amazing transaction, was it not? I wasn't planning on bringing the song into the sermon tonight, but that was a wonderful song that was sung. Think about the transaction of grace that took place in our lives that allowed us to be saved, that allowed us to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing transaction. Now, I won't say this for everyone because this may not be true of everyone, but I'll say it of myself, and I think it to be true of most of us, that whenever you and I became the recipient of God's grace, whenever he called us unto himself through the power of the Holy Spirit, whenever we called upon Christ to save us, and he did in that instant, did you know that most of us, when we came to Christ, we were not immediate assets to the kingdom of God that we were just born into? You know, most of us, again, maybe not everyone, but most of us, as a result of our salvation, we were entering into a whole new world. Most of us didn't come in with our seminary background. Most of us didn't come in with our great theological understanding. Most of us did not come in having been wonderful students of the passages of the Scripture. No, most of us, when we came into the family of God and to the kingdom of God, most of us came in about as green and as ignorant as a person could be in this new family that we were now a part of. I don't know if you've ever gone back and thought about different things you've said at any point in any area of life. But can you imagine some of the things you said soon after salvation? Don't you know you were just a theological hero that your pastor was so proud of? Some of you think you were. You probably weren't, okay? I'm just saying, as a result of your salvation, is it possible that maybe you had more zeal than knowledge? You were excited. You were thrilled. You were were passionate about this new life that you had been given. and, And as a result of the new life that you had been given, maybe you were talking and maybe you were saying some things and and maybe you were promoting some ideas. And the pastor was just kind of scratching the head thinking, I'm glad they're excited. But they're not exactly where they need to be theologically. As a result of our salvation, do you think we then went out and did everything that should have been done in the life of a Christian? Or do you think it's possible that maybe, just maybe, there there were some times that maybe a pastor was scratching their head going, I'm not so sure they really got it. 
There hasn't been this change that maybe we'd like to see. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to question the work that's been done. I don't want to question the Holy Spirit. But, but they're not exactly doing everything that a, a Christian ought to be doing. I'm trying to show us something here, and, and I'm sure I've said this or at least alluded to it. Whenever we came into the child of God, we did not bring a lot of a lot of benefits to the family of God, to the kingdom of God. Most of us were about as ignorant as we could be, even if we were raised in church, because as a child, there's still a lot of it you don't grasp. Amen. You, you just don't grasp it. And so what is supposed to happen as a result of our salvation? What is supposed to happen as a result of, of us having this relationship with Jesus Christ? What are we called to do? Well, we're called to be disciples of Christ, right? I mean, I'm supposed to be a disciple of Christ. I'm supposed to be a student of Christ. I'm supposed to be a pupil of Christ. And, and so if that's what I'm supposed to be, then what is the only way in which I can accomplish that? very simple by being a follower of the one who has called me is this fair to say the only way that i was able to enjoy some spiritual growth in my life was whenever i looked at the one who saved me and watch what the scripture had to say about the one who saved me and then whenever i was willing to apply that to my life and to try to go out and imitate who christ is and imitate what his word says i am supposed to be that is when i was able to begin growing and being the christian that i was supposed to be i know that god brought people into my lives that i could watch that i could observe that i could try to imitate and there's a purpose in that there's a place for that but ultimately what i had to do in order to grow was watch the one who saved me and try to imitate his character and his person in my life. And it is then when I, when you, began to follow him that we were then able to begin having influence in the lives of other people's lives. Is this fair to say? Whenever I follow Christ, whenever I observe Him, whenever I watch Him and try to imitate Him, that is when I am able to then have influence in the lives of others. I'm able to impact others. I'm able to move from the category of liability to asset and I'm actually a help to the kingdom of God that I'm a part of. That's true of me and that's true of you. As you have followed Christ, as you have watched Him, as you have observed Him, as you have looked over His shoulder, so to speak, into the Word of God and learned of Him who He is and what He was about, as you have learned of Him... God has been able to use you to some extent in the lives of other people. You may not know to what extent you've been used, but if you have tried to follow Christ, He has used you to be a help 
in the lives of other individuals. Now, that's a wonderful thing. It really is. It's a wonderful thing to know that if I follow Christ, I can be used to influence and impact the lives of others. But as we think about that, let's kind of stick with this illustration just a little bit, and let's be reminded of something, that you and I in the spiritual life will never reach a point or a time where we can say, I pretty much no longer need to follow him because I've got it pretty much put together in my life and where I'm supposed to be. We can't do that. You know why? Because it'll be a never-ending pursuit for the individual who wants to follow Christ in the manner in which he ought. I will never learn everything of the Savior of my soul. I will never fully grasp who he is. I will never fully understand his character. I will never fully understand his his being and, and everything that he personifies. And so for myself, here's what I've got to realize. It is a continual following process if I want to continue having an impact, if I want to continue reaching people, having any kind of an influence or anything of that nature, if I want to have significance in my spiritual life, then I've got to continue following him. I have got to continue coming after him, watching him, and then trying to imitate his person in my life. I don't ever get the opportunity to stop. As we understand that, again, I know that this is obvious. I know this is relatively basic and elementary. But I want us to be aware of this and just be reminded of this. That following God for a child of God is not automatic. It's not. I don't get to wake up in the morning and say, well, you know, I'm a child of God and I was saved many years ago. And so as a result of getting saved many years ago and being a follower for so many years, today will be just like any other day. Today will be just like all the days in the past. And I'll just automatically follow God like I've always followed Him. No, that is not how it works. Following God is always a decision we choose to make in our lives. Whenever I awake in the morning, I will either choose to follow God, to watch Him, to imitate Him in my life, to try to learn from His Word who He is and how that ought to change me and shape me and mold me into a different individual. I'll either make that choice or I'll make the choice not to follow Him. But it will be a choice that I have to make because I do not just automatically follow God. I don't follow God automatically and Regardless of what some may think, no one follows God automatically. You'll have to wake up in the morning and make the same choice that I'll have to make. You'll have to wake up Tuesday morning and make the same choice I'll have to make. You'll have to wake up Wednesday morning and make the same choice I'll have to make. You and I, it will be a daily process. Will I choose to follow him? 
or will I not? Because there is no third option. We're either following him or we're not. And just as following him is not automatic, it's not something that we can just assume is going to take place with no effort on our part. I know I've said this a couple of times already tonight. I'm just going to say it again. I I know that you know this. But it doesn't matter what we used to do. Because what we used to do and who we used to be has no bearing on who we are today and what we are today. Again, think about that person who has maybe stayed at the job a little too long or has gotten a little too comfortable in the position that they now have and maybe the tenure that they enjoy. And so though they used to be a contributor and though they used to be an asset and though they used to be a real benefit to the overall system and scheme of things, they have come to a place now where they're no longer an asset and once again they're a liability. I want to remind us tonight That just because we once were an asset doesn't mean we'll always be an asset. Just because we used to be used, just because we used to have influence, just because we used to be able to help some people along the way, it doesn't mean that we'll always enjoy that. If we are not constantly following the one who saved us, we can eventually slip back into that position of no longer being a contributor, no longer being an aide, and just being the one who is a liability rather than a help. And I understand, I I do, I understand where we're at tonight. I understand who I'm talking to. I I think I have a pretty good idea as to who we are, where we're at, and, and what we would say if put in a position like I'm about to put us in. If I were to ask us tonight, how many of us want to have some impact? How many of us want to be used by God? How many of us want to make a difference in the lives of other people? Here's what I know. Every one of us would say, well, well, Brother Kyle, that's exactly what I want. As I go to work tomorrow, I want to make a difference in the lives of people. As I, as I deal with my family, I want to make a difference in their lives. Brother Kyle, I want to make a difference in the lives of people in our church. Brother Kyle, I want to make a difference in the lives of people that maybe I don't even know too well. I just want to make a difference. Then I want to remind us of this. The only way you'll do it is if you're following him. It's the only way you'll do it. You might be able to make a little bit of a difference while still on cruise control, but you'll not make a long-term difference in the lives of others if you're not following him. And so tonight, you, you and I, we've got to ask ourselves this question. To what extent am I following him? You know, if to follow him means that I come after him and I watch him and then I imitate him, to what extent am I doing that? To what extent am I a student of the word of God that teaches me who Christ is, that reveals to me? If I'm going to stand over the shoulder, so to speak, and look into the word of God to see who Christ is, then what kind of a student am I to the word of God to know who he is? And then if I'm going to watch, and if I'm going to observe, if I'm going to take all that in, I've I've got to ask myself, how much do I try to imitate this in my daily life? 
We can know a lot about him, but it doesn't mean we're implementing what we know into our daily lives. So if I'm supposed to imitate him, am I implementing in my life what I see in him and what I'm supposed to be? We say, well, Brother Kyle, we're at church tonight. That means very little in the grand scheme of things. Brother Kyle, I read my Bible every day. That's a small fraction of the overall equation. What are we doing to watch him, to observe him, to get to know him, and then imitating that in our personal lives? The only way that we can be used and really make a difference is when we follow him. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us to be men and women who would have a desire to be used of you. Again, you would assume, we would assume that that would be automatic, but, but maybe not everybody is really concerned about being used by you and to make a difference in the lives of others. But God, if we would say that we have that desire, I pray that you'd help us to realize we've got to follow you in order for it to happen. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be honest before you tonight as to what extent we are following you. I pray that you'd bless the invitation. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.